0: Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Secrets Revealed. Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish. This is your Book of Revelation Research Scientist. This is a live internet broadcast on PGN Prophetic Grace Network. Today we're talking about the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy. I invite you to listen live at 9 a.m. Central and 10 a.m. Eastern on Thursdays to this program, PGN's Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. In May of 2023, analysis and discussion of the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy. With me, your Book of Revelation research scientists are happening live on PGN on both Sundays at 12 p.m. Texas time on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Texas time. So that's on Sundays at 12 p.m. Central time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time. And on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Central time and 10 a.m. Eastern time. You're invited to share your perspective, pose a question, or present a prayer request during the live internet broadcast. You can listen live via internet at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. Also, you can text in your questions about the book of Revelation 24-7. The PGN text number is one 214 That's one 214 You can listen to the live internet broadcast. In addition to using the blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic website, you can use our PGN phone number, which is 1-319-527-6027. Let's get to it. Let's talk about the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. It is the fifth of 12 visions John the Revelator was shown when he was called up to heaven as described in Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 is John's report on heaven. And then after his report on heaven, he was shown 12 visions, 12 Moving pictures, today we call moving pictures movies, but these weren't just any kind of movie. These were not movies uh, portraying fictitious events. These were movies presenting realities, future realities that are coming. In this way, they are essentially documentaries, documentaries about the end of the age and John the Revelator was shown 12 documentaries consecutively, beginning with the Seven Seals prophecy, followed by the Seven Trumpets prophecy, and then next there was the 1,260 days prophecy, and then in Revelation 13, there's the 666 Antichrist prophecy, and finally, We arrive at what we are talking about today, the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy. It's the fifth of 12 statements of prophecy. In other words, the fifth of 12 visions John the Revelator was shown. These visions appear in Chapter 5. They begin there, and they continue get the end of the last vision in verse 5 of chapter 22 so the bulk of the book of revelation are these documentaries about future events we're going to hear about one of the 12 statements of prophecy it's number five if you're looking at them uh, all in a row uh, so this year in 2023 we're going from beginning to end with the statements of prophecy in the book of revelation may is the fifth month of the year. So we're talking about the fifth statement of prophecy, the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Let's get to it. Here it is. I am reading from the book of Revelation chapter 14 verses one to five. So every statement of prophecy has two parts. It has its movie trailer in words. In professional writing, we call that an abstract. And then it has the full documentary, if you will. In other words, the full report. So as a way to think about this, typically before we go to see a movie, we see the movie trailer. So for example, before I went to see the movie Cree 3, I saw the movie trailer Then I went to see the movie, and when I saw the movie, I wasn't confused when some of the things that were shown in the movie trailer appeared in the movie, because I understand that that's how that works. So when you look at the book of Revelation, that's an important key to be aware of where you are in one of the documentaries. Where are you in the statement of prophecy? Ask the question, am I in the abstract or am I in the full report? And that way you won't think that the same event happened twice. And that way you understand that you can go backwards in time after the movie trailer in order to arrive at the present moment communicated or depicted in the movie trailer and then actually move beyond that period of time to another period of time. So that's important to understand where you are in time and what you're looking at. Okay, let's get to it. I keep saying that, but there's so much to share. Hoping to give you some context that's useful. Verse 1 of chapter 14 is the movie trailer in words. It says, then, I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Let's pause there. So that's the movie trailer in its entirety for the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Let's hear it one more time. John the Revelator says, Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him were 1,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So the lamb is Jesus Christ. And in this movie trailer and words, we learn that Jesus Christ is standing in his glorified, perfected, immortal body in a physical location on the earth, and that location is Mount Zion. He's not alone. With him are some individuals. These individuals total in number 144,000. And something very important to help us understand when in time we are is to know that these individuals have a mark. This mark is not the mark of the beast, which is a counterfeit mark. So in the 666 Antichrist prophecy in Revelation chapter 13, that appears right before this prophecy, we hear about the mark of the beast. That is a counterfeit mark that's described at the end of Revelation chapter 13. But now here in chapter 14, we're hearing about a different mark. This mark is described in Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 7, a third time here in Revelation chapter 14, and again in Revelation chapter 22. So what is the mark of God? The mark of God is what goes on The forehead of every person who is victorious. So in the seven letters to the seven churches, Jesus Christ communicates praise to each of the seven churches. In other words, what they are doing right. He communicates the second thing. Criticism, what they are doing wrong. He communicates a third thing, what they need to do to correct the things that they are doing wrong. And fourth, he communicates something very important. To each of the seven churches, he shares some of the rewards of salvation some of the rewards for those who are victorious. And as he's communicating this fourth thing, information about the rewards for those who are victorious, those who are in Christ, either they're in Christ because they died in Christ and now they're with Jesus Christ in heaven. Or they're in Christ because at the time of the second coming, they have found and followed God's plan for salvation in the first place that the mark of God appears in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 12, this is the first place that the mark of God is described. And in this 144,000 first fruits prophecy, we hear that 100 percent of these individuals who are standing with Jesus Christ on Mount Zion, on the earth, that they have this mark. So let's hear what the book of Revelation says about it in the other three places that it appears in the book. So first, verse 12 of chapter 3, in the seven letters to the seven churches, and specifically in a letter... Written to the Church of Philadelphia, Jesus Christ says, quote, I will write on him, who's him, talking about he who overcomes is victorious. That appears at the beginning of verse 12. And then here in the middle, after saying some other words, Jesus Christ says, quote, I will write on him. Him, The name of my God And the name of the city of my God The new Jerusalem Which descends from my God Out of heaven And my own new name So the mark of God Includes three things It includes The name Of my God In other words The name of God the Father It includes number two The name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. So the name of God, the father, it also includes the new Jerusalem and a third thing, my own new name, Jesus Christ will have a new name and that new name will appear as part of the mark of God and that mark of God is given to who? The beginning of verse 12, it says, he who overcomes is victorious, I will. Then he says, I will this, I will that, and then I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Now, where, where is this mark of God going to go? Well, it says in Revelation 22, Verse 4 in the new earth prophecy, his name shall be on their foreheads. So this mark of God is going on the forehead. And big surprise, Satan, who's a liar and a thief and a deceiver and a plagiarizer, he knows that God the Father has decided God has decided that his people will have his name on their foreheads, and so he says, oh, God's having each of his children, God is giving each of his children his name and putting it as a mark on their foreheads, well, my children are going to have my name, and they're going to put my name on their foreheads, and so that's the mark of the beast described in Revelation 13. Verses 17 to 18, verses 16 to 18, the mark of the beast. But now we're talking about the mark of God. So we've heard two places where the mark of God appears. Now, why do we need to know about this mark of God? To understand who the 144,000 are, we need to understand not only their identity, but also where we are in time are we before the second coming of jesus christ or are we after the second coming of jesus christ are we on the earth are we under the earth or are we over the earth in heaven so those are the three locations that uh human beings can be on the earth in heaven or in hades so heaven and hades temporary locations storage tanks uh Protective custody, if you will. Protective custody is heaven for those who are going to uh, participate in the resurrection. Hades is protective custody for those who are going to participate in the great white throne judgment. But let us give our attention to the 144,000. So what about who they are? Who are the 144,000? We don't have to guess. About who they are The identity Of the 144,000 Is revealed In the very first Vision John the Revelator Was shown In the seven seals prophecy In the book of Revelation It begins with verse 1 of chapter 5 And it ends with Verse 1 of chapter 8 It's the seven seals Prophecy And We hear in chapter six, we hear in chapter six, verse 12. I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree, shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Let's pause here for a second. The two key events that have timing that's very important for understanding the book of revelation. Now uh, There are many key events, but two key events for uh, understanding what we're about to talk about. So there is the marriage of the lamb. That's the first resurrection. That's where Jesus Christ and his bride are joined together forever and ever. When the first resurrection happens, in other words, when every believer who has died in Christ, as described in First Thessalonians chapter 4, puts on that incorruptible body. So those who are in heaven, disembodied spirits, they will descend from heaven, their immortal bodies will rise up from the grave, and they will put on those immortal, glorified, perfected bodies. Have you considered the reality that when a person is in the womb, that there must be a process for that individual to be three in one? And that process is a process created by an almighty God, an omnipotent God, an omniscient God, an omnipresent God. So God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is everywhere. And so, when the marriage of the Lamb happens, when those who are on the earth, at the time of the second coming, we will transition in the blink of an eye from mortality to immortality and will rise up As those who were in heaven, as they're putting on their glorified bodies and rising up, suddenly our DNA will change from uh, being riddled with DNA errors to being perfect. So if you have bad knees, a bad back, you're missing a finger, an eye. Uh, if if your hair is falling out, whatever issue has happened uh, in your body, perhaps it's been there since birth, maybe it's happened as a result of old age or an accident, won't matter at that point. At that point, you will transition to your peak performance body, your perfected glorified body, rise up in the air to meet Jesus Christ, and so shall we be with the Lord forever and ever. So that's the marriage of the Lamb. Now, in Revelation chapter 19, We have the marriage supper prophecy beginning with verse six to the end of chapter 19. So the marriage of the lamb is the first resurrection. The marriage supper is the battle of Armageddon. Now this is important. Let me say it in 10 seconds. This is a short version. The first resurrection happens and shortly thereafter is the battle of Armageddon. So, before the battle of Armageddon, the harvest comes in, the harvest of those who are victorious. Okay, now that's important to hear because in the Seven Seals prophecy, we're hearing about events connected to the second coming in the timing of the second coming. So verse 15, we're continuing in chapter six, it says, Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? Now, an interesting thing to consider, it says, then everyone... And then in verse 16, it says, and they cry to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne. Do you think that those who are waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ will hide themselves and cry to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, when what they have been waiting for happens? I think not. Certainly not. So let's continue. Verse 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. And Let me back up for a second. So what am I saying? Where are we in time? So first there's and in-the-same timing, but in this period of time, this relatively short period of time, there's the resurrection where we join Jesus Christ in the clouds. In our peak performance, perfected, glorified, immortal bodies, we will have transitioned from mortality to immortality. And after this marriage, the marriage of the Lamb, the marriage of Jesus Christ, when he is joined with his forever family in a body that will never, ever die, just like the one that he has. He has a body that will never, ever die. He rose from the dead. He was the firstborn of the dead, as described in Revelation chapter 1. And all of us who are victorious, we will also transition from mortality to immortality. So the marriage has happened, and now it's time for The marriage supper. Now, verse 7 says, Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. Here we are. We're getting to understanding who were the 144,000. We're in Revelation chapter 7. We're in the middle of the seven seals prophecy. And it says, and he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. So what has just happened? The second coming of Jesus Christ, we are in that timing. It's apparent to every person on the earth. They have seen Jesus Christ. And how do we know that they've seen Jesus Christ? Because they're afraid and they're praying to the mountains to fall on them. And now, there are four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. And another angel comes up here on the earth and he has the seal of the living God, and it says, and he shouted to the four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea. Now, why are they given power to harm land and sea? Because the battle of Armageddon is imminent. The wrath of God described in the seven final plagues prophecy, chapters 15 and 16 of the book of Revelation, the wrath of God culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. Now let's continue. Wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Now remember, we learned in Revelation chapter 3 that Jesus Christ promised that on the foreheads of his servants, three things, uh, on the foreheads of those who are victorious, Three things are going to go, the, uh, go there. He says he's going to put his name, his new name, he's going to put the name of his God, and he's going to put the name of the city, the new Jerusalem. Now, he says he's going to put his name on every person. Those three things, he's going to put that on every person who is victorious and then in revelation 22 verse 4 we're told that the name of the father is going on the forehead so putting those things together we understand that the mark of god is going on the forehead of every believer now let's continue verse 4 chapter 7 says and i heard how many were marked with the seal of god 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of israel now let's pause here for a second So we're about to hear the identity of the 144,000. When we want to know what the truth is, we go to the Bible, the Word of God. It says in John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we don't go to the Bible to find evidence to support our human convictions, our human perceptions, our human ideas. No. We go to the Bible to inform our thinking. We go to the Bible to learn the truth. We go to the Bible to increase in wisdom and knowledge. And so when information appears in the Bible that conflicts with our thinking, we don't say, oh, we need to revise the Bible. There's an error in the Bible. No. No, friend and truth seeker, we don't do that. We say, oh. I need to revise my thinking. I'm increasing in wisdom today because I have gained new understanding from the word of God. And so here's perhaps what is some new understanding uh, for you today. Certainly, I'm always learning and uh, praying for God to increase my wisdom and understanding. And so I'm with you there. None of us knows it all. So let us learn together as the word of God is revealed. It says here in verse 4 of chapter 7, And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. So the 144,000 are not the Gentiles. I am a Gentile. You may be a Gentile. You may be a person who is... uh in Israel you might be a biological Jew but you don't live in Israel. So let's learn a little bit more about this. It says And I heard from and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God, 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. Then we're given some more specifics. From Judah 12,000 from Reuben 12,000, from Gad 12,000, from Asher 12,000, from Naphtali 12,000, from Manasseh 12,000, from Simeon 12,000, from Levi 12,000, from Issachar 12,000, from Zebulon 12,000, from Joseph 12,000, from Benjamin 12,000. So before the wrath of God is unleashed, A specific number of people have the seal of God put on their forehead. Now, why do they need the seal of God on their forehead? They need the seal of God on their forehead so that harm will not come to them. They need the seal of God on their forehead to ensure that they are safe to confirm that they are among those who are victorious. So this brings them into the harvest. Now I'm saying something very important here. You might need to take notes or rewind this. Now we're talking about the harvest. What's the harvest? According to the book of Revelation, all of chapter 14 is about the harvest. There are three parts. So there are those who are in Christ, but they reside in heaven. And there are those who are in Christ, who will be here on the earth at the time of the second coming. And there are those who will be in Israel proper, not in the United States of America, not in Russia not in Mexico, not in Switzerland, not in Saudi Arabia. Now, these are are uh, locations on the earth, but there's a specific location where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought and won. That location is in Israel. Now, in Zechariah, the last, Three chapters, there's a description, there's there's detailed information about what happens to those who are specifically in Israel at the time preceding the Battle of Armageddon up to and including God's return to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon, where? In Israel. So we're talking about the 144,000. Who are they? The 144,000 include the 144,000 people who will be in Israel at the time of the second coming. These are individuals who are believing that their Messiah is going to return. And it says in Zechariah that they'll be weeping. These are individuals who are worshiping. In the rebuilt temple, the third temple, prior to the Antichrist standing in there and declaring that he is God, these are individuals who will refuse to leave Israel despite the reality that the Antichrist has waged war against Israel and then later the war is enlarged to include the church as described at the end of Revelation chapter 12 so the 144,000 it's not members of a particular denomination if you've heard that that's a lie from the pits of hell how do we know it revelation chapter 7 verses 4 to 8 share with us every truth seeker the reality of the identity of the 144,000 Now, we're about to go back to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. So they're identified here, but the seven seals prophecy is very broad. It talks about many things to know specifically more about the 144,000. We go to the statement of prophecy that focuses exclusively on them, but they are mentioned in the seven seals prophecy. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, research scientist. I'm a believer. I want to know about me and what's going to happen to me. Or maybe you say, uh, I'm a person who lives in, uh, I live in Jordan or I live in Canada Are you saying that the Bible only talks about people who live in Israel? No, I'm not saying that. But there are some specific statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation that tell us details about what specifically is happening in Israel. Why? Because two key things happen at the end of the age. One is the return of Jesus Christ. That's the At the return of Jesus Christ, it begins with the marriage of the Lamb, and it's followed by the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is the Battle of Armageddon. Now, the marriage of the Lamb includes a harvest that has three parts. Stay with me, friend. Stay with me as I share this. The harvest includes those who are victorious because they died in Christ they will transition from mortality to immortality. The harvest includes a second part, those who are here at the time of the second coming. We will transition from mortality to immortality because we are in Christ. And there's a third part of the harvest. It's described right here. It's prophesied in Romans chapter 11. It's all of Israel waiting for and believing for their Messiah to come, but they have not yet come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, but they're praying for him to come to fight this battle. What battle? The Battle of Armageddon. The armies of the world will traverse the dried up land of the Euphrates River. They won't enter Israel and Jerusalem specifically as described in Zechariah. The last three chapters is described in the seven plagues prophecy, the seven final plagues prophecy in Revelation chapter 16. And we're talking about the reality that when Jesus Christ returns, In addition to that marriage of the lamb that includes two parts of the harvest, there's a third part that secret has been revealed to truth seekers, to those of us who are in the book of revelation. Now let's hear how this was prophesied in Romans chapter 11 In Romans chapter 11 verse 25 and 26 say this. I want you to understand this mystery. So, Paul is telling us this is a this is a mystery. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts. Let's pause there. So what's a hard heart? In in the New Testament we're told that the old covenant is outdated, that it was created only to last until Jesus Christ came. And once Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, the old covenant was replaced with the new covenant. But there are those who have, Paul refers to them as being people of Israel that have hard hearts. So we hear this over and over again in Romans so in other words, these are people who are following the old covenant. They believe that by following that covenant, they will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no, one, no man comes to the Father except through him. Now, how is this going to happen for the people in Israel if they have hard hearts? How is it going to happen for the people? So we know that uh, all of the apostles were Jewish and that um, certainly they transitioned from following the Old Covenant to following the New Covenant. But from that time up until today, there are those who are biological Jews who have continued to follow the Old Covenant. Now, at the timing, following the marriage of the Lamb, immediately before the Battle of Armageddon, which happens after the first resurrection in that same short period of time, biological Israel, there will be those who are there, those who are praying that their Messiah will come because if not, If their Messiah doesn't come, the Antichrist will prevail over them. There's no way that they can win the battle of Armageddon unless and until their God comes to fight that battle on their behalf. And yes, he is coming. Now hear this. In Romans It's prophesied that there's the third part of the harvest, the 144,000. It says, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Now, that's the secret right there. That's the secret right there. This will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Now, when is the full number of Gentiles? After after the marriage of the Lamb has happened, the full number of Gentiles will have come in. In other words, either you transition from mortality to immortality or you're on track to participate in the great white throne judgment the opportunity to experience salvation for the gentiles exists up until the second coming of Jesus Christ at that point every person whether a that person is a biological Jew who has uh found and followed God's plan for salvation or a Gentile all all those individuals participate in the first resurrection. So again, there's three parts to the harvest and we're unlocking secrets connected to who specifically are the 144,000. There's a third part of the harvest. Again, the first part of the harvest, those first Thessalonians chapter four tells us those who died in Christ, who are currently residing in a physical location known as heaven, the present heaven, they are the first part of the harvest. Then those of us who are in Christ at the time of his second coming, we're the second part of the harvest. But there's a third part. Hallelujah. God keeps his promises. So Romans chapter 11 says, Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. And so all Israel will be saved. Let me say it one more time. And so all Israel will be saved. Now, when will all Israel be saved? At the time of the Battle of Armageddon, before the Battle of Armageddon is fought and won, and after the first two parts of the harvest have come in, how do we know this? This will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ, and so all Israel will be saved. Okay, I'm going to pause there for now. Uh, let's continue going back to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. So what have we done? We've learned what the mark of God is. We understand that anyone who has the mark of God is victorious. We learned that in Romans it was prophesied that after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, in other words, after... The resurrection, all Israel will be saved. Well, when does the resurrection happen? The marriage of the lamb happens immediately before the battle of Armageddon, the marriage supper. That's described in Revelation chapter 19. Let's go there for a second. I feel led to go there for a moment. You might say, well, I've never heard that the marriage supper was the battle of Armageddon. You might say... I, I don't believe that. That's where we're all gonna have steak dinner. We're we're gonna have lobster, we're gonna have fish with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you say we're gonna have pork chops or a uh, a mighty banquet. Well certainly uh I'm not against that and that sounds fantastic. But we're talking about God's plans. Future realities documented in the word of God, not the ideas of men, not human ideas, human visions, human plans. So, you know, people often, as Randy Chandler has been pointing out, Prophet Randy has been communicating, people are talking about what they would do if they were God. But as you know, I am not God, and hopefully you know that uh, no man or woman on this earth is God. So let's hear what the Word of God says about the wedding feast of the Lamb, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Depends on what translation you're looking at, wedding supper, wedding feast, wedding banquet, all uh, talking about the same thing, just depending on what translation you're looking at. Let's hear about the Battle of Armageddon, what happens after the marriage of the Lamb. So the Battle of Armageddon is described in the marriage Supper prophecy, Revelation 19, verses 6 to 21. This is going to prove without a doubt that the battle of Armageddon happens after the first resurrection. And the battle of Armageddon is the great wine press. It culminates with the great wine press culminates with the battle of Armageddon. The great wine press is The strategy God uses to uh, complete the Battle of Armageddon, and the Battle of Armageddon is the wedding feast. The Battle of Armageddon is the marriage supper. The Battle of Armageddon is the wedding banquet referred to in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19 proves it. Let's hear it. It says, beginning with verse 6, that's the beginning of the... Marriage Supper Prophecy, and remember, the Marriage Supper happens after the marriage, so that means that whatever the Marriage Supper is, it happens after the marriage, which is the first resurrection, but you're going to hear, without a doubt, proof that the Marriage Supper is absolutely, 100%, the Battle of Armageddon. John the Revelator says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Now, when are we given our new outfit? which is white linen. So when we transition from mortality to immortality, we have a specific outfit that we will wear for that event, and that event is pure white linen. There's a reason why in Judeo-Christian culture, brides get married in white. And that reason connects to the word of God. When we marry Jesus Christ, in other words, when we put on our forever peak performance, immortal, glorified, perfected bodies, we will have on a specific outfit to commemorate that event. On the day of that event, we're not wearing red, we're not wearing green, although these are two of my favorite colors. Maybe you love those colors too. We're not wearing black, we're not wearing any color other than white. We're not wearing rayon or chiffon or velvet or cotton. We're wearing pure white linen. And it says that we're going to get this outfit because for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Continuing with verse nine. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Now, some people think, well, if we're invited, if some people are invited to the wedding feast, that means that you get to eat. That's a lie. We're going to hear in a few moments who gets to eat at the wedding feast, and it's not those who participate in the wedding. Let's continue so we can find out who eats at the wedding feast. Verse 10 says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, No, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Okay, that's the first mention of a war. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. I think you know who the rider of the white horse is. But let's continue. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. So this person is riding a white horse. He's coming from heaven, and then it says, A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe, dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. So here, the man whose title is the Word of God is coming from heaven on a white horse, and he's not coming alone. He's coming with, quote, the armies of heaven. And we've already been told that he comes to wage a righteous war. The righteous war is the Battle of Armageddon, and it happens after the wedding. So the wedding, the marriage of the Lamb, is followed by the wedding banquet, the marriage supper. And it says, continuing in verse 15, from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. Now listen, it's saying it's time for the wedding feast, the wedding banquet, the marriage supper. Again, it depends on what translation you're looking at. but They all say it's time for the wedding feast, the wedding banquet, or the marriage supper. And at this time, Jesus Christ comes on a white horse, And he's followed by others on a white horse. Who are these others? It says the armies of heaven. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword to strike down the nations. It doesn't say from his mouth comes uh, salivation because he's eager to eat. It doesn't say from his mouth comes beautiful words to express his love for his bride. It says from his mouth comes a sharp sword. Why? Why? The wedding feast, the wedding banquet, the marriage supper is the Battle of Armageddon. At a battle, which is a war waged in righteousness, you come with a weapon. You come to fight and win. Jesus Christ will win the Battle of Armageddon. Let's hear about how he does it now. It says that he comes with a weapon. That specific weapon is a sharp weapon sword. And this sharp sword, it's not, he doesn't hold it in his hand. It's not um, in a holster on his back. It's not uh, on his hip in a holster. This sharp sword, this powerful weapon that he has, it actually comes from his mouth. And he uses it to strike down the nations. He doesn't use it to issue a beautiful song. He doesn't use it to create uh, food. He doesn't use it for any other purpose other than to fight the enemies of God. Then it says, he will rule them with an iron rod. Who's he going to rule? The nations. It says, he will release the fierce wrath of God, the almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. So the wrath of God culminates with the Battle of Armageddon, and this Marriage Supper prophecy is the prophecy that gives us details about the Battle of Armageddon. Now, the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned in the Seven Seals prophecy. The Battle of Armageddon is mentioned in the Earth-reaped prophecy. The Battle of Armageddon is mentioned several places, but it doesn't happen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. It happens only once, and this is the documentary the vision about future realities we can think of it as a documentary in words this is the vision shown to john the revelator that specifically focuses on the details of the battle of armageddon it says he will release the fierce wrath of god the almighty like juice flowing from a wine press so the wrath of god is not a turkey dinner now don't be mad at me when i'm reading the word of god the wedding feast is not a turkey dinner it's not, uh, it's not barbecue ribs with french fries or baked potato. That's something I would like to eat. The wedding feast is a war waged in righteousness. Now let's continue. On his robe, talking about the robe with, of the person with the title Word of God, it says, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. So if there's any doubt about who is coming from heaven to wage this war in righteousness, who's going to actually use a weapon to strike down nations, you say, well, Jesus is love. Jesus is not war. Jesus is coming to fight a war. It's not any kind of war. It's a war waged in righteousness. It's the battle of Armageddon. It's the war to end all wars. And we know without a doubt that it's Jesus Christ who's going to fight this war. And it says, On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now let's pause for a second. We're going to hear the end of this prophecy. Let's give context for the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Now remember, the Antichrist and the false prophet and the kings of the world leading the armies of the world, they are coming to Israel. They will traverse the Euphrates River, which will be dried up supernaturally. That's the sixth and final plague, the supernatural drying up of the Euphrates River for the purposes of allowing the enemies of God to arrive at a specific location, the location ordained for the battle of Armageddon. Now here we are. The marriage of the Lamb has happened. The first two parts of the harvest have come in. The third part of the harvest has come in. And now the battle of Armageddon is going to be fought in one. Verse 16 says, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Now that instruction to come and gather for the great banquet Who's it given to? It says, again, then I saw an angel standing in the sun shouting to the vultures. I am not a vulture. You are not a vulture. There needs to be a cleanup plan. For all of the vast carnage. In other words, 100% of the people, as you're about to hear, 100% of the people who are in the armies of the world who have come to destroy Israel, 100% of those people who came to destroy the people of God, they came to destroy the remaining 144,000, they are going to be destroyed. And their bodies are going to be consumed. But we are not cannibals. Their bodies will be consumed by the animals of the earth, specifically the vultures. Now, verse 18 says, let's go back. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures, flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings. Now, did you hear that? Come and eat the flesh. So the great banquet, the marriage supper, the wedding feast, it's not a banquet for The Bride and Jesus Christ, that's not a banquet where we're going to eat a turkey dinner. It's a banquet for vultures. It's God's cleanup plan for the Battle of Armageddon. It says, come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great." Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So there we are. There we are. Where are we? We're in Israel. When are we? We're at the time of the battle of Armageddon after all three parts of the harvest have come in. All three parts of the harvest have come in. And now... Standing across from Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven all on white horses is the Antichrist and the kings of the world and the armies. Now what happens? Verse 20. And the beast was captured. Who's that? The Antichrist. And with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Now that's described in Revelation 13, right? How the Antichrist and the false prophet work in tandem to execute the agenda of Satan during the 42 months period. So it says, and the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So this is telling us Jesus Christ is going to destroy. He's going to kill. He's not going to sing to the enemies of God. He's not going to uh, give a lecture to the enemies of God, those who have come to destroy the people of Israel who are waiting for their Messiah, and he's come. And the the seal of God went on their foreheads. The last part of the harvest is described in Romans chapter eleven. And so all Israel will be saved. When will all Israel be saved? Right before the battle of Armageddon is fought and won. They are the third part of the harvest. It says Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts where in Romans chapter eleven, verses 25 and 26, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. So they are the third part of the harvest. Then the Battle of Armageddon is fought and it says their entire army, whose army? The armies of the Antichrist and false prophet of the New World Order, the One World Government, the Ten Nation Alliance that will include Russia, Germany, and Great Britain. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the horse. So this weapon used during the great wine press, the battle of Armageddon. This weapon is wielded by Jesus Christ. It is a sharp sword. He uses it to kill 100% of the armies. It says their entire army was killed So it doesn't matter if the armies of the world number 1 million, 10 million, or 200 million. 100% of the people who come to fight and destroy Israel under the leadership of the Antichrist, they will be destroyed. And when they are destroyed, the wedding banquet will happen. The vultures will follow the instructions of the angel. The cleanup plan For the Battle of Armageddon, for the losers of the Battle of Armageddon, the cleanup plan will be executed. What's the cleanup plan? Here it is. And the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. Okay. Now let us go back to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Let's hear the full report. Verses two to five of chapter 14. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Now, let's pause here for a second. Now, the harvest has three parts. Those who are the Gentiles, we're the wild olive tree. We're grafted in. God has never, ever forgotten Israel. And he keeps his promise. And they are included in the harvest at the end. When's the end? the end of the age, when the first resurrection happened, and it's followed by the marriage supper, the battle of Armageddon. Now, what is is the destiny of the 144,000? These people matter to God. Their experience matters to God. He's been waiting thousands of years to reconcile with biological Israel, to bring in that last part of the harvest as he promised he would. His love and passion for Israel has never, ever been abated. Now that his jealousy and anger has been spent, it is time for him to bring in the last part of the harvest. Now, what happens to them? This is the prophecy that tells us what happens to those who are waiting for their Messiah at the end of uh, Zechariah chapters 12, 13, and 14. We hear about how uh, what happens during the Battle of Armageddon before Jesus Christ comes, and then he comes. But these 144,000, ultimately, what happens after they're sealed? What are some of their... Experiences with God That's what we're hearing here It says They have kept themselves As pure as virgins Following the lamb Wherever he goes So ultimately When they are saved What do they do They follow the lamb Wherever he goes Now they've been waiting for the lamb For thousands of years And when the lamb comes, he puts the name of God, the seal of God, on their foreheads, and they join him in their forever peak performance bodies. And they get to learn a song that nobody else gets to learn. So us Gentiles, we don't learn that song. The others... Who came before them, they don't learn that song. No, this is something special for those who have endured the great tribulation, who stayed in Israel waiting for their Messiah, despite all the world except for Christians turning against them. Another Jewish Holocaust is coming, but they will survive the Holocaust. Their God will return to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon on their behalf. And when they are brought in as part of the harvest, the final part of the harvest, it says ultimately after this happens, they learn this beautiful song. It says, no one could learn this song except the 144,000 who have been redeemed from the earth. Now, remember, many are redeemed from the earth. It's not just the 144,000. Now, you say, well, research scientists, in Revelation chapter 7, we just heard about Uh, The 144,000, well, let's go back to that for a second. So after the 144,000 are described, in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 7, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes. So who's going to be clothed in white robes? the bride of Christ. We heard that in Revelation chapter 19. So God describes what happens to all Israel, and he describes what happens. So all Israel, meaning all Israel who was waiting for him in Israel at the time that the battle of Armageddon is going to be fought in one after the first resurrection. So there's literally those people who are in Israel, they have refused to go. They are the third part of the harvest. But there's another part, and it says here that this part is too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language and standing in front of the throne, and before the lamb they were clothed in white. So, take-home point, the harvest includes three parts. The final part is the 144,000. So when we're in that 144,000 first fruits prophecy, which we're going back to, this is God specifically talking about biological Israel, who was in Israel at the time of his coming, specifically the people which he came to save because they are losing the battle in Israel. Now he's coming, and that second coming impacts all whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, not just the 144,000. So don't be offended or uh, upset or scared because God chooses to report What happens to that part of the harvest? Elsewhere in the book of Revelation, we have a description of what happens to other parts of the harvest. But right now, we're talking about the 144,000. Now, after they are saved and they come in, it says they have kept themselves as pure as virgins. Well, when does this happen? After the mark of God is put on their uh, foreheads, after uh, other events have happened, what, what happens to them ultimately? They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They can't follow the lamb wherever he goes unless he's with them. Now, when is he with them? Is it before the second coming or after the second coming? It's after he returns. Then he's with them. Then they are with him. They follow him wherever he goes. Follow him where? Wherever he goes. It says they have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. They have told no lies. They are without blame. So, friend, when we are part of the harvest, God remembers our sins no more. They are blotted out of our books in heaven. And so they are a part of the harvest. He remembers their sins no more. And once we are in Christ, the ability for sin to impact us, it says they have told no lies. When we have transitioned from mortality to immortality, we will tell no lies. We will be without blame. Okay, so that is 144,000 first fruits prophecy. It confirms without a doubt that all Israel will be saved as promised in Romans chapter 11. So, friend, if you'd like to see the notes associated with this prophecy, they're available for you at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. It is May 4th of 2023. The one-page basic study notes for the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy are available for you there. I encourage you to see them on Sunday at 12 p.m. Texas time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We'll continue discussion and analysis of the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy. Every program... In the month of May, we'll focus on this prophecy. So I encourage you to be with me and to be with us as we discuss and analyze the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. God is unlocking secrets in the book of Revelation for truth seekers. Thank you for being here with me and with us today. I want to pray a special blessing over you before we end that blessing comes from revelation chapter one i declare and decree according to the word of god that you are blessed for you listen to the message of the words of this prophecy the 144 000 first fruits prophecy and i pray that you will obey what the book of revelation says its prophecy for the time is near And if you haven't done so yet today, make sure you call out to God according to Jeremiah 33.3 because he promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.